Had my fear of current Blixen for a long time, because all the dramatizations I have watched this week about her are based on corny cliches, masquerades, and debatable constructions that cannot stand the passing of time. Anyhow, I have learned from her a lesson in courage to bear in mind. My intention? To share all that as it came to me, like a private investigation. Well, first of all, for a year, I was waiting for the release of The Pact by Ville August, based on the memoir of the Danish poet Thorkil Bjornvik. So, when I finally found the film on a streaming service, I rubbed my hands, because Ville has recently released Erengard, based on a posthumous tale of the Baroness, as Karen always demanded to be addressed, just in case I got Thorskill's memoir, expecting the several questions failed to get mentioned. This membership between the Baroness and the young poet was a cause celebre and helped to build up her dark legend as a witch, matchmaker, and malignant narcissist. But I only have to bemoan another case of unconcealed misogyny, according to that era, late 40s and early 50s. A mentorship between a celebrated author and a young poetess, instead, would have never raised an eyebrow. Remember Henry James and Edith Wharton. And secondly, the Dreamer, the six-part drama series is set in the 30s and followed the Baroness return to her childhood home in Denmark. After many years in Africa, broke, mentally depressed, and physically sick from years of mercury and arsenic treatment for her syphilis, at the mercy of her family, who decides to give her a miserable allowance of 40 kroner to get by, while her younger brother has inherited all the properties after the father's suicide because he's a man. Thought as nails, she decides to follow her late lover's advice, the aristocrat Dennis Finch Hatton, and write down all the fantastic tales with which he entertained him in Africa but freeing the rejection of the myopic and prudish Danish literary circles, she becomes a transnational author and writes in English, and thereby makes a lot of sense, even that such is the language of her beloved reference as well. In order to succeed, she goes under the masculine pen name of Isaac Dinensen. And here's the catch. When Seven Gothic Tales is selected in the US as a Book of the Month club, the Danish publishers offer her a deal and a translation entrusted to a very well-paid academic, 2,000 kroner. But when he reads the Galilee proof to her bewilderment, she finds one blunder after another. And like a fierce lioness, she decides to translate herself to Q. 
keep the necessary humor between the lines, a strategy to keep the full power of our prose that will not abandon never again. This fascinating biopic is intertwined from the beginning with one of the seven Gothic tales, The Dreamers, and based the simplistic rules of the genre that so much bores me. Moreover, it stops in 1939, right after the passing of her mother, when he sets out by herself in Rungstenlund, the manor house that he led her. Thirdly, and lastly, after going through the black legend of her twilight and the lesson in courage of her dawn in the depths of the Great Depression, I should visit again her satanic, the book that we all associated with her out of Africa. And in doing so, I have to go back to my late teens in 1985 and the iconic movie started by Meryl Streep and Robert Redford, to which John Barry added the most corny soundtrack ever. The conundrum of such experiences revisited are the issues raised. That English aristocrat was filthy rich and had enough money to bail out the farm from debt. So his lover could stay, and the Kikuyus kept their jobs and not to be uprooted to a sordid reserve. Instead, he comes and goes as he pleases, like a free spirit. One day, appears with an airplane, a gypsy moth, which was not precisely a cheap toy. Meanwhile, the storyteller indiestrates the man's help from the stingy British over and over. And the only reply she gets is avoiding commitment and stalling after he had been benefiting from her generosity since the Swedish baron left. What a douchebag. My private investigations end with a toast. During the warm nights of May, while I lived in that bookish bungalow, I used to call my friends to eat pasta and drink red wine in excess, under a lush rose bush. All of them, like I did too, watched out of Africa, badly dubbed in Spanish. And we adopted what we thought was the Danish Finch Hatton toast, that is, for la candida adolescencia, or to your understanding, for the naive adolescents. Never trust a cheap translation. The original toast came from the English poem with the rule My Heart is Laden by A.A. Hausman. The exact line is for the rose-lipped maiden because that safari day Karin shot a charging lioness and while pointing with his rifle bit her lip until she bled. <laughs>